0: Book of Philippians. We'll still be in the first chapter as we will be for at least another week. Brother Jeremy will go ahead and conclude chapter 1. He got us off to a good start. Hopefully I can keep it going. And then uh, he'll uh, be the cleanup hitter for at least the first chapter as we uh, make our way uh, two and a half months through a study of the book of Philippians. All right. You finding your place there? Philippians chapter 1. We're going to begin today's study in the 12th verse. Okay, Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse 12. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the Word of God more courageously and fearlessly. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy, in rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, And, I, and, and because of this, I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage So that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or death. Join me in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, it is our privilege as your children to read the book of love that you've given to us. Your letter that exalts yourself. Your letter that lifts up the church. Your letter that reminds us of your spirit. Your letter that gives to us hope. Your letter that preaches Christ and reminds us that this is the business that every believer is to be about. Lord, we ask that you would help us to understand a passage even such as this. One where Paul was trying to encourage the Philippians who counted it all joy to serve you. Bless you, Lord, and bless your word, we pray this day. Okay, now, I've read from verses 12 through 20, some divide that at halfway through verse 18, some divide that at verse 20, uh, and so forth, but I was reading out of the New American Standard Version, which basically seems to have, uh, and by the way, I just read NIV, but as I was studying, I was reading in the New American Standard Version, which more easily divides that passage up into two simple little paragraphs, going from 12 to 20. And it's talking about preaching the gospel. And so that's what the message is about today, It's preaching the gospel. It's talking about getting the message of the gospel out there. After all, the gospel is the good news And the gospel needs to be preached. Needs to get out there. Paul said that his chains served to advance the gospel. When you look at verse 12 and he says, I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. And then when you look at verse 19, it says, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and provision of the Holy Spirit. He's talking about the same thing in verses 12 and 19. They both remind us that his chains were not a hindrance to the gospel. Instead, they were a motivation for the gospel and a way to get the message of the gospel out there. Whatever your circumstance, feel free to take that as an occasion to serve the Lord. If you find yourself in chains like Paul did, so be it. If you find yourself free like we do today, for a while, then serve the Lord. Wherever you find yourself and wherever you're planted, that's where you're to serve the Lord. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. When we have that kind of a countenance, the kind of countenance that Paul had, we'll be able to share the word wherever we go. And that's what will get the message of the gospel out there. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You saw those verses. Now, how do we get here, by the way? How do we get here? Well, Jeremy began to uh, share last week, and he gave you a little bit of history behind uh, Philippians and so forth. I'm going to go ahead and continue that. When you get over to chapter 16, and, and I know Brother Jeremy was sharing, passage, or sharing the, the story from Acts 16 there. It's talking about where Paul was in prison in uh, Philippi. Now, how did he get in prison? There he was again opening his mouth. He was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and some people didn't like it. In fact, his preaching was so vehement and so adamant he didn't care what the ramifications were. He simply preached that Christ is the answer to our problems. Now, one of the persons, and Brother Jeremy mentioned her also, one of the persons that was mentioned in Acts 16, where Paul was preaching to the church at Philippi. And by the way, he and Silas and other believers started the church of Philippi. It was during their second missionary journey that he went through there and built up the body of Christ in the area of Philippi. By the way, that's a first European presence of the gospel. And Paul was able to get that gospel, not only from the continent of Asia, but all the way over to Europe as well. So you see that Paul was getting the message out. And now on one of his sermons, he's out there, he's preaching. He sees a little slave girl. She's out there, you know, her owners, her masters are getting her uh, selling these goods, you know. Uh, she's taking these idols out there and she's selling them to to, to make money. And her, her masters, the craftsmen that were making it and so forth, and ordering her to go out there and sell these goods were the ones that were benefiting from her sales. She's out there, idols, idols, idols. She's selling these things, and they're the ones that are making the money. And so what did Paul do? Paul simply preached the gospel, and he let the chips fall where they made. Well, what happened when he preached the gospel is this little girl got saved. This little girl changed her heart. This little girl said, Oh my God, what am I doing? And she no longer sold and which immediately put her masters, or those craftsmen, in an awkward position. If she's not going to go out there and sell our goods, how are we going to make money? And so what did they do? They stirred up people. They stirred up people to talk against not her, but Paul. Look at what this man is doing, and so forth. And they stirred up the crowd against Paul, so much so that Paul was in prison in Philippi. Now, we're not quite there yet because Paul is writing a letter to the Philippians, not from Philippi, but from Rome. So, how do we get here? Well, that's the beginning. That's the beginning. So, Paul is in prison in Philippi. And he begins to preach and sing and they're rejoicing and he's talking about his chains. Same story, kind of, that he shares here in the book of Philippians and he's preaching this story and I, want, I just want to go quickly to Acts 16 oops I turned all the way back to Psalms do you want to look at the Psalms? <laughs> Acts 16 in Acts 16 he's preaching and he's sharing and he's singing and so forth and Immediately, it says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. They were singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to him. And suddenly there was a violent earthquake, and the foundations of the prison were shaken. And at once the prison doors flew open, and everybody's chains came loose. And the jailer woke up, and when the uh, prison doors opened, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, do yourself no harm, we're all here now brother jeremy shared that story last week but i felt it uh, enough to remind ourselves how we got here today now paul is preaching he's singing and at about midnight these doors open up and then when the prison uh, the the prison guard realizes oh my god the doors are open now all these slaves are going to get you know they're going to go free and so forth and Wait a minute, I'm just as good as dead, so what I'm going to do is go ahead and take my life right now because at least I can do it semi-mercifully because the Romans ruled ruthlessly. They love to inflict pain, cause torture, and make an example out of you. They wouldn't just simply take your life. They would make it miserable and you would be a spectacle And the object was to intimidate others who were inclined to be disobedient or go against the Roman cohort. So this man says, oh, the easiest thing and the best thing I can do is take my own life right now. But Paul says, do yourself no harm for we're all here. And oh my God, you know, can you imagine the emotion that is going through Here I've just lost my prisoner. I'm as good as dead. I've already made the split second decision. I'm just going to take my life and make the misery a lot less. And instead he hears this story of those who were singing and praying and so forth saying that they're still there. He's hearing from the prisoners who haven't fled. They didn't flee their captors. They didn't flee the torture. They didn't flee the torment of prison. Instead, they remain there. Why? Why? And yet they did. They did. And And that prison guard, when he was about to take his own life and hears that sweet, melodic music, these guys are still here. Oh my God, I almost took my life. Where could I have been? But now I'm found alive and these guys are still here. So he calls for the lights. And he calls for them to come in and he begins to talk to them. And he, he, he simply says, because he knew this was a life changing circumstance. He, he knew that this was, you know, different from anything he'd ever experienced. Why would anyone with the opportunity remain in a Roman prison if they didn't have to be? And so he, he calls to them and he says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Folks, we need that sense of urgency today when we talk to people, when they see our lives, when they look at, at us and the circumstances either around us that we're calm through the storm and that we're not fretting as others do, then maybe they should be calling to us. And maybe we should make ourselves examples to them so that they too will ask us the same question that this Philippian jailer asked. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? My God. Has anybody ever asked you that? Well, maybe they haven't asked you maybe in those terms, but they certainly said, you know, I don't really know what to do. I'm kind of questioning this. And folks, they're giving you an opening. Well, you know, I'm kind of like disenchanted with my job. Or, you know, I'm not sure. My kids are kind of acting up. Or, hey, wait a minute. The neighbors are arguing a lot. or They're giving you opportunities to share the gospel. Take those opportunities and use them for good. Be in the word already. Have a prayer that's ready to go. Have a, have a promise of the word that you can share with them. Ready at the go. Something you were just studying that morning or something you were just meditating on that week or that month. Or maybe as Brother Jeremy and I go through the book of Philippians, you'll have something. You'll have some little, some little nugget, some little piece of goodness that you can also share with them. And what do you think they shared with this Philippian jailer? And he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They reply, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Now how can they know the word unless it is preached? And how is the preaching unless one is sent? And so forth. Well, I'm going to make this real, real quick here with regard to the Philippian jailer and talking about that situation. So, the higher ups basically said, you know, as he tells them, hey, wait a minute, this is what happened, but they... They all say, okay, that's cool. Now he finds out that they're Roman citizens. Oh, okay, well, just, you know, just go ahead and, you know, let them go quietly. We don't want any problems. Go ahead and let them leave this place so they won't give us any because it was a violation to imprison Roman citizens, which Paul certainly was. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Paul said, no way. They accused us publicly and they berated us in, publicly, in public and they put us in prison. Now they're gonna have to come and release us themselves. We want to be released as publicly as we were imprisoned. And can you imagine? You know, how would you react? By the way, and how do we react today? Oh, Don't stir me money, don't cause me things. You don't, don't want any problems, please. You know, don't upset them. And sometimes that's the United States policy of upsetting terrorists. Oh, we don't want to act like we'll protect ourselves because what if they get mad at us? Paul didn't care. Paul didn't care. Instead, he said, No, what's right is right. they did all this to pub- publicly they beat us without a trial they threw us in prison and now they want to get rid of us quietly no let them come themselves and escort us out folks paul went on to preach he got out of prison he went through his he finished up his second missionary journey finished up his third missionary journey by the time we get over to acts 21 you'll see that now because of his preaching again because of his preaching again, he gets imprisoned, And they wanted to give him a trial. And he says, look, I am appealing to Caesar. After he had finished this magnificent you know, ministry of his first, second, and third missionary journeys, going around the world preaching the gospel in Asia and in Europe, now what happened? He gets all the way back to Jerusalem. And what's his grand homecoming? What's his grand reward? He gets put in prison again. And he appeals to Caesar. To Caesar you've appealed. To Caesar you will go. Now where's Caesar? In Rome. And that's where we find ourselves here even now. Probably around 61, 62-ish A.D. Paul is in prison in Rome and now he's writing his letter back to the Philippians where we find ourselves today. So that's, that's kind of how we got here. Now we're looking at this letter and Paul says, don't worry about my, my chains. They've not been a problem. Don't worry about my having been in prison because it's actually served for the greater good. Don't worry about me having been uh, cloistered away as it were. Because I've still been able to write this letter. And he writes them. By the way, I don't know what your first thought is. when, uh, When or if you've ever been in jail. By the way, I've been in jail, have you? Not for very long. We just got to feel what it's like. Not nice. If you've never been in jail and you don't have the power to unlock the door after that thing has been shut, wow. I don't know how many of you have been in handcuffs I have. How many of you have been sprayed, shot, whatever. I mean, not, I've been, well, whatever. We've been all that kind of stuff. So we know what it's like, and we know what they're going through. I can't fully identify with Paul having been in change because our jails are humane. Those were not. Those were not humane. They would degrade human life as much as they possibly could. And it goes back to one of my first points. Being the object of Roman ridicule or being an offense to the Roman army was tantamount to being ridiculed, made an example out of tortured as it were no you're not going to feel these are people that do not feel pity and that's not how they operate Paul is here speaking to I need to find my place here speaking to the Philippians And he tells him, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. When you uh, look at a passage like this, you say, wow, how has that served to advance the gospel? Well, it served to advance the gospel because it gave him an opportunity to preach. And yes, though he was in prison, he wasn't like many of us who would just be thinking, of, oh, me, I'm locked up. What am I going to do? What's going to happen now? Instead, he was thinking of those that he had preached to and wanted to continue to write to them, to encourage them. By the way, writing is kind of forgotten these days. Do you still know people that handwrite letters to you? They're probably a little bit older. Not too many young people actually write letters anymore. But how... how uh, how beautiful it is when we go to the box and it's not just some, you know, computer text thing that came to us. Oh, we're here to offer you something or whatever it is. Or else it's your bill. Instead, it's a handwritten letter from Aunt Mabel or whoever it happens to be. Those are beautiful. And that's what Paul's letter was to them in that day and time. Now, the prisoners that I get letters from where I work, they write and say, oh, man, they did me wrong. They only arrested me because I'm whatever, or uh, they put a case on me, or the cop lied, man, the judge was whatever. And those are the kind of letters that I get instead of encouraging letters. You know what? I did it. I was wrong. Will you tell the people that I offended that I'm sorry? We don't get those kind of letters. Those kind of letters don't come. But that's what kind of letter this is. Paul says, I'm in chains. But I still want to encourage you. And that's what he did. How many of you find yourself, you think your hands are tied and you, you're you not able to do much, but you can. You can encourage somebody. You can pray for somebody. I remember there was a lady who used to sit right here in this second row right up in front. And she said, but Pastor, I can't do very much because I'm, you know, I'm kind of old. I said, uh, and you, uh, you remember Doris. You're one of the most beautiful ladies I know. And your 98.6 degrees adds to everybody else's warmth. And your spirit combined with our spirit makes it just that much of a better place to be. We all have something to contribute. No matter how old or how weak or how incapable we think we are, we have something to add to the gospel and not to detract. Paul was trying to build up the body of Christ as he preached. He preached not only in his messages that landed him in prison, but he was preaching through his letter of love to the Philippians to encourage them as they went their way and and, uh, served Christ right where they were. Now what would happen in some of these prisons, and by the way, I think Paul, especially in the latter years, had a lot of liberty, and you saw he was able to write. Somebody could bring him in some vellum and you know parchment, whatever, a little bit of uh, ink, and he was able to get the message out. So he had a lot of freedom. He had earned a lot of respect among others, and they knew that he wasn't trying to leave them. And he did preach to guards, and he did share with other prisoners and so forth. But by and large, Roman prisons were not places of great freedom. They were places where you're bolted down. You're shackled, you're in chains, and you're not able to move, at least very much. What I want to say about Paul is though he was bolted down, as it were, he was still pressing on, still pressing forward bolted down, but moving forward. Have you ever seen somebody walking by and a little kid tries to grab the leg of an old, you know, older uh, or full-sized man? And what's the full-sized man doing? He's just driving a kid. Are you going to really stop the giant, as it were? And that's who Paul is. He's a giant of the faith. And none of these little things like chains are going to keep him from moving forward. None of these things like you know, taking away his so-called freedom are going to stop him from preaching the word. He still pressed on. He was a giant of the faith. He got the message out, irrespective of what his situation was. Folks, and I want you to write down this point. It didn't matter what his circumstance was. It was his countenance that mattered. It didn't matter where he found himself. It mattered what he did with with, uh, what his circumstances were so it wasn't his circumstance it was his countenance that mattered most all right when we look at uh, this passage we we've we've, uh, we've looked at a lot so far we can see from uh mark 16:15 we can see from matthew 28:19 and 20 where it says, basically, go therefore and preach the gospel. You know, preach it to all, you know, all creatures. Baptizing in the the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we have passages like this that remind us that we are to be about our Father's business. We are supposed to be getting the message out there. We are supposed to be... Preaching the Word of God. Sharing, as it were, the Gospel. And maybe you're not a hired minister of the church. doesn't matter. You're a hired minister in God's army. You're there. You're planted with the Word of God. That seed that changes life, as it were. And you're there. And you can pass on that seed to others. You can share the Word with others. Share the Word of God. At a timely moment. Wow. Nothing is more refreshing than that. He says, because of my change, most of the brothers of the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of uh, the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. They've seen how I've reacted. Right? They've seen how I've not been kept down. They see how this has not closed off my ministry. I've been able to to continue to share the Word. I've been able to continue to get the message out there. I've encouraged others. And so others also have been encouraged. And they've seen me. And they've been encouraged to speak the Word of God more courageously and fearlessly. Now too much, too many of us are too, too meek, too timid, too afraid. But as I read the Scriptures, and by the way, Paul wrote that to Timothy, you know, kind of, The younger guy in the ministry, oh gosh, you know, what should I do? But he says, you know, not to let anyone be, you know, don't be ashamed of your youth, brother. I don't want you to do that. And he says, perfect love casts out all fear. When you know the love of God, when you know that God cares for you, then you know that, wow, I can do it. I can do it. I know that God's going to love me no matter what. I know that God will care for me no matter where I find myself. You know, whether I'm wallowing in the mud, I just got through a binge of sinning, as it were. Been on a long funk. You know, I can't quite get out of it. I'm in the slumps. I'm in the doldrums. I'm feeling depressed or whatever. And by the way, all those things are opposite of God. All those things are opposite of the joy of the Lord. And that's what Paul preaches to the Philippians. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Wow. Wow. He's been preaching that to them. For I know, he says in verse 19, that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me has turned out for my deliverance, or for my salvation, if you will. Same thing that he says in verse 12. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has really happened to me has served to advance the gospel. So the same thing he says in verse 12, he says in 19, that this is all turned out for good. Anybody remember the story of Joseph in the Old Testament? One of the younger children of Israel? Okay. You remember that story. And you remember how his brothers tried to quiet him. How they tried to get rid of him how they tried to act like he was dead, and then eventually they just basically sold him off. So they made a few bucks, too, at his expense. And then you remember the story how they came back to Israel. Uh, Excuse me, to uh, Egypt, excuse me. How they went to Egypt during a time of a famine, and they were looking for help. They had long since forgotten about their brother. And it was their brother that they came to, but he did not reveal to them that it was him. Instead, he played along, and he made them jump through some hoops for him for a while. But he still kept taking care of them. He still meant it for their good. He still called for his father to come and see him, and so forth. And eventually, you remember in the story of Joseph, how he revealed himself to his brothers. The same brothers that had meant him ill, the same brothers who had berided him and said, "Hey, wait a minute, he thinks we're better than you know than, uh, the, he thinks he's better than the rest of us. Remember how they some of them wanted to kill him. Some said, "Hey, we'll, we'll just sell him, we'll just leave him out here. We'll just do all these things. And what did he tell them? As soon as he revealed himself to them, what we see in the story of Joseph, as soon as he revealed, Himself to his brothers, his brothers thought, oh my God. They were almost like this Philippian jailer. They were almost going to just stand there and die. Because they knew that as second in command of all of Egypt, he had the power to take their life if he wanted to. And he could have right then and there. But for the mercy that he had been shown, he told them, He told them, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. What happened to Paul? Okay, People probably meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And so we need to go back to that understanding. It doesn't matter where your circumstance is, what your circumstance is. It matters what your countenance is. If you can, like Paul, count it all joy, my brethren, when you fall into diverse trials and so forth, then that too will be an opportunity for your growth. God will be able to use that also for his good. We've seen a lot in a short passage like this. Paul says at the last part of verse 18, Yes, and I will rejoice. Christ was proclaimed. That was the most important part. Christ was proclaimed. Preach the gospel. Share the word. Pass on the blessing. Point to Jesus. Let others see Jesus in you. We sing that song. Look at all those circumstances. I want to share uh, a little something. It says, now, I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. Maybe it's a memory verse for you. Does anybody remember or have memorized Romans 8.28? Remember that passage? Let's read it together. Turn with me to Romans 8.28. A promise from God's Word. In your particular translation may read a little bit differently, but the truth is still the same. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that all things... God works for the good, for those who love Him and who have been called according to His purpose. You know, the world likes to quote that passage and basically live out, uh, or me, leave out all the stuff that talks about uh, for those who have been called according to His purpose. They, they want to just say, oh, everything's going to work out. Everything's going to work out for the good. Oh, not as I read it. It says, we, we know that in all things God works for the good for those who love Him and who have been called according to His purpose. That's the caveat. That's the caveat. So, if you have been called according to God's purpose, if you've been advised regarding the truth of God, if God has shown you His love, if you know what it is to belong to the body of Christ, If you know what it is to belong in the family of God, then you've been blessed. You've been blessed. Pass on that blessing. Encourage others with that truth. And believe in a passage like Romans 8.28 that it will work together for the good. When this passage was shared, and by the way, Paul, Paul wrote to the Romans as well. So it's not just to the Philippians. And when he writes to the Romans, you think, wait a minute, these are the people that are imprisoning me. And yet he said, still, all things are going to work together for the good for those who love God and who are called according to His purpose. Wow. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Look at that. He says, so in my imprisonment, or in my bonds, if you will, And he's talking about in the cause of Christ, all of this has become well known throughout the whole Roman uh, Praetorian Guard or the governor's palace, if you will, and to everyone else. Everyone's beginning to find out about me because I'm preaching the gospel. And he had a unique position because he was in prison, he was under Roman rule, in their control, and still he's able to get the message of Christ out. Wow! Wow! Who is this nut job that is thinking about and praying and encouraging others? Wow, there's some crazy guy in a Roman jail who is still concerned about me. Wow. That's the kind of crazy that we all need to be. I remember there was a fellow, and by the way, I don't remember names very well, I barely remember mine, George, if I haven't told you. But his name was Dale Wilhite. He was in his 70s when I was a teenager. I'm sure he's uh, listening from heaven even now as I share this story. But I was at, I think, Padilla Park in Covina or whatever they call that park. And I just uh, went up to him as a young man. I knew he was on fire for the Lord and so forth, just trying to draw a little bit of... Uh, encouragement from him and he was there more than ready you know and somehow the conversation went on to being crazy and he simply said to me words that i've never forgotten we're all cracked so that this you know the sun s-o-n can shine in we're all a little cracked so the s-o-n can shine in you know what which one of us is perfect which one of us is perfect By the way, I don't know how many of you knew that uh, my wife and I studied uh, cosmetology. And one of the things we studied in cosmetology was makeup. And we looked at different people and so forth. And Sophia Loren was one of those uh, people that we looked at her face. Beautiful face, what have you. And, you know, with all the makeup and everything, she looks absolutely, absolutely beautiful. But if you start putting perfect lines down, then you see her nose is off. Well, you know, you'll see all those imperfections. It doesn't matter how beautiful someone is in Hollywood or on your street or in the uh, what do you call those things? Commercials. You know, they always put beautiful people in commercials. Nobody is perfect. You know, their chin might be slightly off. You know, me, you can say, you know, your nose is too big, your belly's too big." And it doesn't matter. I'm still made perfect in the sight of God. Okay. I think I distorted God's perfection. I know I did. Okay. What about some of those people that, you know, that, yeah, they look pretty young. You know, they're all, uh, you know, they look kind of scary. Hey, wait a minute. I don't know if God's going to let you in because he doesn't want, uh, you know, other spirits in there unless you're born of his spirit. I'm, I'm messing with you guys. But it, it is fun to be able to have fun with the gospel. And look what Paul did. In this passage, he was preaching the word. He was getting the good news out. He was sharing by way of encouragement to all the believers there. Yes, and I will rejoice. I'm just like, keep coming back to that particular passage. Yes, and I will rejoice. So he was rejoicing in his circumstance. He was rejoicing in the fact that he had the opportunity to share. It didn't matter what his circumstance was. It mattered what his countenance was. He was blessing the Lord no matter what his circumstance was, no matter where he found himself. He did what God wanted him to do. Speak boldly then. If we can take a message away from this particular passage, speak boldly. Speak boldly about the things of Christ. Speak boldly about all that he wants you to do. I want to share something from uh, Romans, excuse me, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and by the way, Paul wrote to the Corinthians as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 says, uh, chapter 9 verse 16, Yet when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast, for I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I preach not the gospel, and if I preach voluntarily, I have a reward. If not voluntarily, I simply am discharging trust committed to me. What then is my reward? Just this, that in preaching the gospel, I may offer free of charge, and so not make use of my rights in preaching. Now Paul, in that particular passage, kind of a little bit of uh, teaching here, he was talking about those who preach the gospel that are worthy of, of an extra honor. But he says, I don't want to take anything from that. I don't want to draw from that. I don't want anybody to say that I'm preaching the gospel out of either selfish ambition or greed for myself. Instead, I preach the gospel free of charge. I don't care if you're a hired hand or somebody that just knows the Lord. We are nonetheless to preach the gospel. Has anybody been left out of that Great Commission challenge. Has anybody been left out? When he says, go and make disciples, who does he say that to? To believers. He doesn't just give that message to hired hands, as it were. He doesn't just give that uh, message to mission missionaries, or evangelists, or teachers, or preachers, or anybody who's in the ministry. He gives that to all believers. Go and teach and preach in my name. Baptizing them and teaching them, etc. We are to be about our Father's business. If a 12-year-old little boy knew that and told us that, and if he astonished the elders in the synagogues, How much more should we who have been brought up in the church or who have been in church for a while or who have been in the Word for a while or say that we belong to the Lord and we've been Christians for a long time. How much more should we then share with others so they know the truth? Preach the Word in season and out. Whether you think it's the right time Or you think you don't have time? Preach the word. How many people, when you invite them to, you know, church on Sunday, they say, "Oh, you know what? Oh, Sunday's my only time to rest because you know I partied Saturday." Or Sunday's my only day when we can have a family time. Or Sunday's my only day when whatever. Ooh, so they're never making time for the Lord. Wait a minute. He gave you seven days, right? <laughs> I can't count. Them. He gave you seven days, right? And he wants you to use all of them for him. And if we can't find a little bit of time for him, then what does that say? Then maybe we don't need to stick around. If there's no need for us here, then why doesn't God just take us? But there is a need. And that need is, folks, for you and I to be deliberate about our... uh, our commission, how we were called to also share the word, preach the word in season. You saw Paul preaching it. It didn't matter that he was in jail. It didn't matter that he was in chains. It didn't matter. He just kept pressing on, kept pressing on. and I And he says, I press on toward the mark of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Press on toward that mark. Preach the word. Be ready. Be ready. And how do you get ready? It's by studying the Word. It's by memorizing the Word. It's by meditating on the Word. It's by reading the Word. It's by sharing the Word of God. We've said before, and we'll say it again today, that this book will keep you from sin. And sin will keep you from this book. Are you going to let sin keep you from this book? Or are you going to let this book keep you from sin? Share the word, folks. You first have to read it. First have to know it. First have to meditate on it. First have to pray with it. And then you can share it. Share the word. As you get those opportunities, and you will, you may get one today. As you get those opportunities, and you will, you may get one tomorrow. The next day, you'll see a neighbor that Mm, It's hurting what kind of a message of promise or of security or deliverance can you offer them maybe you can just say simply hey you know at at our church we've been studying through the book of uh, philippians and wow i just saw how paul was just so encouraged how much joy he had the, the great partnership that Brother Jeremy talked about yesterday, how we, uh, excuse me, last week, how we together can minister and, 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 and um, get the message of the gospel out there together. You can invite them to church. You can invite them to study the word themselves. You can offer to give them a passage, or excuse me, a copy of scripture, if they don't have one. It's hard to see where... Some folks might not have a copy of the scripture even in a time like this, but certainly they could download one if they have, uh, you know, the internet or any of that kind of stuff. All of that can be so easy. We can get the word out. Preach in season and out. Be ready with a message of hope to all who ask of you. Paul was, Remember? He was in chains, but he didn't let it stop him, did he? didn't matter how many people tried to hold him down. He still kept pressing forward. He was bolted down, but pressing forward. He was in prison, but God used those prison chains for good. He wasn't kept down. Don't you be kept down. Believe in God, trust in him, follow him. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for a message. Even like this, it comes from a small book, but nonetheless a big book in your eyes. Thank you for the message of this day. May we take your word and use it to further your kingdom. Lord, it's not building up our house or the next guy's house. It's building up your body, your kingdom, all for your glory. We pray this in your name, Jesus.